Welcome to the Leadership Series on the Sofa with Angie. Today's special guest is Natalie Burkett, who is the Chief Financial Officer of Sheffa. Natalie, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Excellent. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey and your career in finance. Um, so I started when I was um, 15 or 16 working for my dad. They, uh, My parents decided I was good at maths and so I should become the bookkeeper for my dad's advertising and marketing agency. Um, so I did that. Um, I bugged the accountants a lot, trying to take as much work from them as possible to keep the cost down for my dad. So I started doing the VAT returns, the payroll, and then eventually started doing the, the year-end accounts as well. So um, they ended up offering me a job to move um, into that accountancy firm once I finished my degree. Um, so the rest is history. I then stayed there for a few years. Um, didn't particularly like being in practice. I wanted more kind of data analytical, kind of actually making a, an impact on a business. So I moved to Fatface, um, so a retailer. Then I moved up to London and um, worked for um, Mosaic Fashions that owns Oasis, Coast, Karen Millen, Shoe Studio and a few others. Um, I got promoted within three months and became a finance manager. Um, and then when that into administration, I moved into music. And then from music, I moved into um, a tech enabled data business, which um, sold sports data. And from there, professional football. And, um, and then into another tech-enabled business at Shepa. Fantastic. So, um, so you haven't always um, been so sort of passionate about finance, even though you've had um, a career in finance and you've had a couple of, I would say, sort of career crises that prompted you to sort of uh, reevaluate. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and, and um, you know, how you dealt with those um, moments of, of doubt. Um, I think the, the, probably the first time was when I was at university and um, having to learn about spreadsheets. I'm like, I'm never going to need those. Um, and so that was quite amusing that because I didn't want to be an accountant. I'd done stuff. Um, I, I'd done the bookkeeping for my dad and it wasn't where I wanted to be. And then went in and kind of met with the accountants and they told me more about it. And it sounded interesting. Um, and so that's where I started off. Um, but more recently, um, after the first lockdown, COVID, um, I kind of really evaluated where I was and what I wanted to be. So I left my job. I didn't even know if I wanted to be an accountant anymore. Um, I had no idea what I wanted out of life. I'd been um, a finance director for a long time. I'm a parent, um, busy family life. And just I was something to everyone else. And I didn't know what I wanted to be for me anymore. So I did a few courses and um, one was called Achieve Her. So it's actually based in Manchester and they were luckily they were um, uh, I was able to do it remotely. And um, one of the key ones for me was going doing a mood board and like sitting there with magazines, cutting everything out, trying to decide like what, what is it about me that I like? What is it about the future that I want to have? Um, and so kind of I decided I wanted to work for a serial entrepreneur, which I'm doing now. Um, I um, wanted to work kind of ethically. So for me, Shepherd does that because we put money back into the community. We're allowing people to earn additional money to help support um, their, their lifestyle, their livelihoods. Um, and so 
then it was kind of like, right, this is where I need to go. This is what I want to do. And then also spending the time like, well, okay, this is a type of business. What do I want to do in that? And actually, I'm, I enjoy doing the finance. I, I love being in a spreadsheet. Um, I really love kind of making those active changes, those decisions that help move and drive a business forward. So for me, working in a smaller business was also fantastic. Um, wanting to kind of really make that um, change and, and a difference. And I could do that by continuing to be a, an accountant and becoming a CFO. That's such a wonderful story. It's, it's those sort of moments of doubt, but actually taking a step back and really thinking about who do you want to be? What do I want out of life and out of my career? And realizing that actually the field you've chosen is indeed the right one, but helping you refine that. And we talked about sort of the importance of ethical finance um, and finding, you know, a serial entrepreneur, um, which obviously you found that the perfect place at Shepherd. And um, what does ethical finance mean to you? I want to kind of be making sure that we're putting back into the community. Um, so something that is sustainable is able to continue to con contribute to society I think that's really important and obviously a business going through early stages as a, um, a small business you are um, you're not necessarily profit making to begin with but it's your I mean so um, it takes time to grow that business but the intention is to become profitable and it is putting that money back into society I think putting money into society is clearly the, the bit that's really important to me, whereas other businesses tended to detract. So putting money um, into different areas that people that didn't need that money necessarily. And so I'm really keen to kind of push money to where it needs to be to, to grow the community and everyone else's lifestyle and, and happiness. Thank you. We need more people like you in the world. Um, so moving on from sort of your sort of professional life into sort of, you know, your, your sort of wider life, um, you're um, really passionate about mental health and, and sort of encouraging people to speak out if they have issues. I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about um, sort of your journey there. Yeah, so um, mental health is really important to me. Um, I've had issues with my mental health in the past um, after I had um, after well after the birth of my first child um, I had to have emergency surgery and I um, lost two litres of blood and I had to have um, six units put back in so I was very close to being death's door um, a few hours after he had been born so for me um, after that I didn't realise quite the, the strain at that point in time I'm like I'm a new mother it's meant to be tiring it's meant to be hard um and so I just kept going and then it wasn't until we started discussing having a second child that things really turned and I was like no because all that's going to happen when I have a second child is I'll just die this time so what's the point of having another child if I'm going to be dead at the end of it so um and clearly that's um not what was going to happen but um, so what I did is I went to go, I sought help and it was quite difficult finding the help. So I'd been to, I'd spoken to the, um, to my doctors, to the nurses, um, 
to their health visitor and no one really knew what to do because I was functioning still. Um, but functioning isn't the same as um, actually being able to get on with life. I was still struggling, but I was able to clean the house. I was able to cook the food. Um, so it wasn't until I got referred back to the uh, gynecologist who's identified me as having post-traumatic stress disorder from everything that happened during with my first son. So um, they put me in touch um, and started counselling for me, um, which is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It was horrendous going in uh, week in, week out to talk through what the issues were to help me break the link between being pregnant, childbirth, dying, to make it so that I would actually be able to go through with it because by that time I'd actually um, become pregnant. So it was, uh, time was of the essence. Um, and my family were fantastically supportive during it. And so were my employer. So I had the time off to be able to, to go and um, have that counselling. My family put up with me wanting, demanding that we do our wills, that I had to write down where all the bills came from so that my husband would know what to do when the inevitable happened, which it didn't. Um, but it was really great to be able to have all of those supportive people around me to be able to make those changes because I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't that counselling. I think, I mean, obviously I didn't die, but, you know, I would have found childbirth and then the subsequent months after that would have been even worse. So for me, going out and looking to get that help. So I asked multiple people and the answer was no every time. I went to um, the clinic in Richmond and they said I wasn't clinically depressed, so they couldn't help me. But I knew me and I knew something wasn't right. And so I kept pushing until I got the right response with the right people um, and got the help I needed. Thank you so much for, for sharing that story and for being vulnerable as well. And I, I can imagine it's, it's difficult to talk about it as well. Um, what advice would you give to other people who, you know, might be struggling with their mental health, but are still sort of, you know, func appearing to function in their daily life? I think it's taking the time to recognise who you are and knowing that something isn't right. Um, because, I mean, you can go through life doing all the things you're supposed to do and still not feeling right about anything. And it's recognising that and then asking for help. And if you get no the first time, keep knocking on the door. Keep trying to find a different avenue to get the help you need. And there are loads of businesses that have kind of employee wellness schemes. Um, GPs will be able to refer you or you could even self-refer now. And obviously the waiting lists are slightly longer at the moment. but even if it's talking to friends, saying, I need this help, find someone to, to talk to, get the support that you need to get to get the help you need. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And, you know, mental health is, is such a big issue now, uh, even more so after the, the pandemic as well. Um, so I really appreciate you, you sharing your story. And I'm sure our listeners as well would really value that. So Thank you so much for, for joining us on the sofa today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Natalie. Thank you. Well, thank you very much.